James, you saw, he died. <laughs> we came, you saw, he died. <laughs> Look, you saw, he died. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Ball Politics Podcast. I'm your co-host, Esteban Hopkins, and I'm here with my uh, other distinguished co-host. Hello, Ross. Hello. How are you? We're taping on Monday. What's going on? How was your weekend? In 10 uh, seconds or less. Weekend, fantastic. Fun in the sun. River river excursions. It was great. Fantastic. How about you? Fantastic. We took on a renaissance fair yesterday. Oh, I, I thought you guys, yeah, I saw some pictures on Facebook, and I thought you guys were LARPing it. What is live-action role-playing? Is that what it Live-action role-play, that's been going on for a while. Yeah, super interesting. You go out into the woods, you play like it's, you know, uh, the Dark Ages, uh, you know, uh, King Arthur, and it's in his knights, and, and they go around battling each other. It's quite interesting. It was very fun. We had, we, have you ever had mead before? Mead, yeah. I think my sister used to make that. She used to make it. Oh, isn't oh it the yeah. best stuff on earth? Isn't it awesome? Uh, I'm more of a I'm more of a Corona guy, but it's not bad. Okay. It's not bad. I, I usually oh. stay away from the from the wine and everything related to wine. Okay, gotcha. It gives me heartburn. Gotcha. Heartburn. It gives me headaches if consumed too much, like everyone else on earth. But with mead, I don't know if you saw the pictures. The way they gave it to you, it was in uh, little piss cups. It made it look like you were doing a urine sample. And then drinking with from drinking a urine sample from a sippy cup. It's good though. So it's it more, it's more cool. sweet. It's so. more sweet, right? It's very sweet. It's like it's it's very it's made with honey, but it's not like beer. It's not like like hard liquor. It's not like wine either. It's kind of its own little unique thing. So it's mead. It's mead. So, but that's not the point of this call. The point of this call is to talk about a couple things in the news and another topic that we've talked about in the past. But not delved into, and that's white privilege. The white privilege, and the the big question surrounding white privilege that we're going to start off with is white privilege. Does it exist? Mm, and that's what I, that Ross, and that's a question that I'm going to lead off with you, and I'm going to let you go ahead. Say that again. I said I'm going to lead that question off, and I'm going to ask you, white privilege, Ross, does it exist? And explain. <sighs> I have to think like a social justice warrior. <laughs> you are deflect. Look, look at him block and tackle right away, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, listen. As you're blocking, tackling, and feeling super <laughs> awkward, as as myself and everyone can can hear, why don't I? I'll lead out, right? And this is one of the reasons why we brought it up. I'll frame the scenario for you. So on Saturday, Bill Maher, um, you know, put yeah. out a put out a, a Facebook post off of his Facebook page, and his uh, message quote I don't know well let's let, let's actually step back for a second I used to be a big Bill Maher fan yeah. um, you know forever uh, always always a funny guy 
always willing to stand up, especially against religion. And you know my affinity for religion, Ross. So you know he and I <laughs> jive jive with that. Not many yep. public people, as you know, uh, you know, renounce uh, religion like he does. So you know, and 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 always just not willing to go after some really touchy subjects and putting comedy around it. Now he's also in the political sphere with his politically incorrect show going back almost two, two, two decades now. And now he's been on HBO with Real Time with Bill Maher for almost, I think he's like on his 13th year. So he's been doing it for a while. And and since, you know, and he's always, if you're a fan of Bill Maher and have ever watched his show, he's always had a private public feud with Donald Trump when Donald Trump has been in the in his private business world. And it's, it's, it's a thing that's gone on for years. They've sued each other. And you could tell now as Donald Trump was entering into the political world, Bill Maher started taking shots at him using his political show. And unfortunately, like a lot of other shows, networks, CNN, MSNBC, you know, late night comedy shows, Saturday Night Live, they are they have become obsessed right and, and i use that word selectively it's obsessed with donald trump uh and it's gotten to the point where like a lot of these other networks and shows it's kind of become uncomfortable just like you getting asked the question about white privilege uh just watching it right because i i just don't fall into that category where i think it's funny um and, and to me, it's not right to other people. It may be, but I don't think it is. So, you know, I, I feel like he he's taken something that's gone personal and he's now let it cloud his judgment on the creative uh, you know, work that he does, which is that political show. And so it, I, I just can't watch it anymore. But so anyways, that's the history. So now the framing of this leads to him on Saturday posting this post. I don't know, quote, I don't know the exact definition of white privilege, but being able to talk about grabbing pussies and how big your dick is and still getting elected president, question mark. That's got to come close. Okay. Now, for take that in for a second, right? What does that mean to you? Um, that to me, uh, going to what my description is, is another virtue signal from a guy who has made his career off crushing people who virtue signal. Yeah. Right yeah. on top of you know the broad picture being the virtue signal, but now he's virtue signaling about this thing called white privilege, which I personally it doesn't exist. I I think it's a sham, um, and so we're gonna unpack that in a second and what I mean by that. Right, I I don't think it's useful. I think it's actually useless in society using that term white privilege. I don't think there's a definition for it. I don't think there's actual evidence that can support it. And if there is, you gotta go all the way back to another era where you know our grandparents are now dying off uh, that they, they even experienced that type of thing. But in no way am I gonna take responsibility for that. I'm not gonna feel bad for my whiteness. Uh, I'm not going to go along with something that no one can point to actual statistics and facts and show me here's what it is, but their argument is completely and 100% unequivocally emotionally based. And I like everything else that you know, Ross, I just don't jive with those types of, of arguments, right? You so, so you, yeah. You're not so I want to give you, yeah. I, I want to give you my response to, to that. To, the, to his post, right? And then it created this really big backlash amongst all kinds of different genders and colors of people 
across the spectrum, as you can imagine. So my response was, Bill Maher, you've now gone full retard. And that's a nice quote from uh, Tropic Thunder, if you, if anybody yes. doesn't know, right? Correct. So my, here's, and here's my equivalency, right? Because as you know, I try to think deeper than just the surface stuff that I think a lot of people like to thrive in, right? Um, my point was rap music is literally all about grabbing pussies and talking about how big your dick is and how much money you I was just going to make that – I was going to say the same thing. And in the – Same con, thing. Right. That's well, all we con, talk about. Con, conversely, they are rewarded with millions of dollars, awards, and magazine covers, right? Yep. And, and yep. shake my head. And so everyone started going after me about how can you say, number one, that – uh, you know, he, you know, they're not understanding, like they're making the direct equivalency. Well, it's not the same trying to become president and being a rapper. Those rappers are never becoming president. And it's like, again, I put my head to my, my hand to my forehead. And it's like, that's what you take away from my comment. <laughs> right? Like you're clearly, you're not understanding what Bill Maher's saying and you're clearly missing the boat on what I'm saying. Right. They're, they're playing the no, no, it's different game. No, no, it's not the same. Uh, the false equivalence game. And it's just, it's frustrating. And I just disregard when people start going down that road. So go on, go on. Well, no, you know, and, and so a few other points that are being made was in what people like to do, right? And I'll throw some stats at you that, you know, because this is what I like to do. I like to, I like to, you know, throw, throw stats in, right? And, and so there's a couple points to be made, right? High level, white privilege to me, the phrase, it's useless. It's a useless phrase in society that doesn't have any positive effect, only negative effect. And that's why I call it useless. It's, it's, it's to me, I use the example of uh, calling uh, Mexicans lazy, right? Lazy yep. Mexicans. And it's that, that is just utterly ridiculous, right? So I'm going to read uh, a comment for a second, right? One of my comments back to one of these people that I got into it. So you need to know for context, and this is for everybody listening, I rail against the term white privilege altogether because it's a useful, it's a useless, uh, or it's as useful as saying Mexicans are lazy. And here's now a fact-based thing that I want to get into, right? Because people, and, and here's a big part of their argument, they want to keep going back to America's history for 250 years, right? Yep. But there's such a slippery slope because if you want to do that, well, you're now opening it yourself up for my arguments on the counter side, right? So I have to put that out there and then my context will make sense. Did the, and now remember, did the Irish, which we're very familiar with coming from Boston, did yeah. the Irish coming over from Ireland in the 1800s, did they have white privilege coming off the boat? Were they met with open arms and saying, here, everyone, welcome to this new beautiful country, no. right? Here's a job. Here's something to eat. Here's a place to stay. No, right? No. It was the exact opposite. Do we know our Irish history here in America? God, we don't know anything in this country. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm asking a serious question. No, we do. It was horrible. They were slaves. They were treated like second-class citizens. They were spat at. They were beaten. They were tortured, right? They were, they were not given jobs. They were told to turn away. 
uh, it, it forced them to have to band together or be like, you know, another class of people, the Jews, which we'll get into them in a minute. They were they would have been exterminated. They would have been completely annihilated and people wouldn't even have had an afterthought. The quote unquote yep. natives. Right. My second right. point in this, did the Italians, which people question, <laughs> you know, whether they're authentically white Caucasian or not. But yep. let's use for the use of this argument and their point, a majority of them would say, yes, we are white. Uh, did how was their experience getting off the boat on Ellis Island in New York City uh, on their on their big migration over? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Do you know the history <laughs> of Italians in America and their their uh, you know their getting off the boat in New York? No, they had struggles too, right? It was horrible. It was horrible. Yes. <laughs> it was it was it was the same thing as I'm, I hate to laugh, but it's like again, like this is real history. It was the same thing as the Irish. It was Italians need not apply. It was you know it it was it was a horrible experience for those people. So my question again is, where was that white privilege that everybody's talking about? Because their argument goes back to the slave times. Yep. Right. Yep. So if your yep. argument goes back to the slavery dates, you have to include this time period of white people that I'm bringing up. Now, I brought yep. up Jews yep. earlier. Jews also have a historic context as being persecuted around the world. Again, another group may argue that they're not quote unquote white. But let's say for this argument's sake that the group of Jews that I'm talking about would argue that they're Caucasian in this instance. Right. So the Jews in every instance globally and including in America, have Jews ever had white privilege or a fair shake in America? I would say yes. Really? I would please explain because I think no. Please, Ross, let's explain to me how Jews have had white privilege in America. Um, I wouldn't. This <laughs> gets dicey. I would say their ability to, um, and I, I mean this in a non-anti-Semitic way. Um, their well, ability be careful. to be yeah, I know, but this is actually a positive stereotype. It's uh, their ability to rise in industry and business and all sorts of different sectors of the economy, despite being uh, a small uber minority in this country, is actually a very good thing. Um, but they've had their 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 troubles, run-ins with other cultures that have hurt them, right? But I, I it's more of a testament to how strong they've been, I guess. I. Yeah, but like a, like a lot of other people who, who make a, a de very definitive statement, you said, yes, they've had white privilege. I don't have her here in any of your argument or your explanation how you're connecting a dot definitively between here's an instance of Jewish people who, again, I have all the evidence of, again, like other places and times all over the world, they've been shit on by everybody. They've been shit on by everyone, but they haven't really been shit on here in the United States. Oh, well, that's incorrect. That's okay. I'll, and, and let me give you an example. So, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, he was, if, you, if you're familiar with the Robert Kioski Rich Dad Poor Dad books, right? Yep. Yep. I had, uh, I had a, uh, a, a Rich Dad Poor Dad version uh, uh, named Carl Barron. He was the inventor of the furnishing leasing business. Uh, eventually sold his company to Warren Buffett. And he was a was has passed away. Worked up until he was about ninety eight years old. Passed away a few years ago. Uh, he grew up his entire life in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yes, 
The Republic of Cambridge, you can't pick a more lefty, tolerant place. Can you imagine, Ross, than Cambridge in the state of Massachusetts? <laughs> Do, can we agree on that? Agreed, agreed, agreed. Okay, and, and he told me story after story of anti-Semitism going all the way back to the 1970s and 80s, Ross. Ooh, so we're not even, we don't even have to go back to the origins of them coming over here and being discriminated against. Let's just go back to the 1970s and the 1980s where Carl Barron, a distinguished business leader and community person in the city of Cambridge, had to felt he had to carry a handgun on him because of the anti-Semitism that was directed at him by local members of his community. Really? In uber-liberal Cambridge? In uber-liberal Cambridge, Ross. And this is in the 70s and 80s during rent control that he was having problems because he was a real estate owner. And they were having a big rent control issue in Cambridge, still a problem now. Uh, yes, and so he would walk into places and he had to be armed because he feared for his life. Wow. Yeah, so anti-Semitism, Ross. And I can't believe you've never heard, seen or heard any of those old, you know, any of those old uh, 1930s, 50s boys movies where they're all at boy, you know, prestigious boys school. And who gets picked on? The Jew. The Jew gets picked on. Uh, and, I, and I can't believe you don't know that. Like that's, that's been going on in U.S. history forever, again, just like around the world. So I'm giving you three real examples of three really white minor, – not minorities, but minorities at the time – at their time in America coming in, all of which had no white privilege whatsoever at all. None of yeah. them. Yeah. It's the okay, exact so, opposite, right? So, so de devil's, devil's advocate though. I'll, let me throw out the waspy types, the wasps. Do you think do you think white privilege is, is a waspy thing? I, well, number one, I don't know because I'm not answering your question. I, I don't believe in white privilege, right? I'm not going to okay, justify. Okay. I'm not going to just like I'm not going to justify that Mexicans are lazy as a serious actual phrase or something that I would believe in. Because I will show you, and I've been to fields in Florida. I used to grow up in ang uh, orange mangroves, uh, orange groves in Florida. And who was in there picking the oranges on a hundred degree days? It was Mexicans, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a whole story in California and all over the place. And they work extremely hard. So again, like justifying lazy Mexicans or answering questions or even justifying that is ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just like, again, white privilege. Now, again, I have to – and this is my demarcation line, right? This is where I draw the line because I think that this – and it's important because it's about always moving forward, right? It's always about moving forward. And it's and this is not what like these you know and this is what we rail against and this is what I call out mainstream media right mainstream media they're the ones that propagate this white privilege myth they do it to divide and conquer it is nothing more than a divisive tactic because it is not a real thing it's actually quite the opposite and again we're going to use not emotionally based things we're going to use fact based things yep. Okay. I don't think I don't think the facts exist on the ground to validate the assumption that there is indeed white privilege. I, well, I, I, well, I, I would love to see it because it's I have actual facts that are the opposite, right? And and again, we have to agree to use a certain line. So my demarcation line, because I up until about 1968, I'll agree with people and start defining white privilege, right? I'll give you a white privilege. White privilege in 19. 45 America is being black 
and being the best goddamn baseball player there is, and I can't break into the major leagues of baseball in America, but I can go fight in a war. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. You want to talk about white privilege? That's white privilege. I'm privileged because my skin color says that I can go join this league, which is the best, and it excludes this person, even though this person, skills-wise, is able to play and excel with these people. Okay, yep. you follow me? So I the am, demarcation, yep. so I'm with those people, right? I'm not crazy. The demarcation line for me is 1968. Yep. Right? That civil yep. rights have happened, that's new laws have been either strengthened, uh, they've been uh, expanded, or they've been actually written and put on the books, right? So yep. by 1968, we've had our civil rights, okay? Now let's look at some facts. Since 1968, and President Johnson uh, was responsible for a lot of this, there have been, do you know how many presidents since 1968? Eight. Eight presidents. Okay? Yep. Out of those eight presidents, how many of them were black? One. Uh, point five, rather. <laughs> Good one. <clears throat> one out of eight, Ross. What is one out of eight? Do your math. Uh, about 14%. It's 12%. 12, okay. It's 12%. And the 2010 U.S. Census, what was the African American, which you know these are boxes that they allow you to tick off, right? Yeah. What was yeah. the African American race proportionally, the black race proportionally in America as a percentage of overall people in 2010? I, I, about 13%? 12.8%. You couldn't have hit it right more on the head. So okay. if, if we're now looking at a demarcation line of 1968, where undoubtedly the civil rights came in and allowed black people to do some stuff that was giving white people white privilege, right? So that yeah. ends it. Right? That's yep. the demarcation line that we look at as practical people who can look at people who have experienced that today because I can't look at somebody who experienced slavery uh, back in the you know 17 and 1800s. They don't exist anymore. So I'm not right. going to deal with those things. Those, don't, those things don't exist to me and shouldn't for other right. people right. either. So from that line, let's look at that percentage because that's a big thing in that argument about white privilege is look at all the white presidents compared to the blacks. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, yes. If you want to go back to slavery, but we've gone over that. Right. We've already debunked that myth with the Irish and the Italians and the Jews. So yep. let's now go to something where we can understand, which is that demarcation line. Look forward. Twelve percent. Twelve point eight percent of proportion. To, uh, one out of eight presidents. That falls squarely in line with the mathematics. Yep. So you tell me what's white privilege about that. Zero. Okay, now in that time since 1968, undoubtedly we understand why they did it, but affirmative action. Yep, you're familiar with affirmative action? Uh, yes, I am. Okay, affirmative action. Does that help white people or people of color? People of color. Okay, so by definition, what is affirmative action, Ross, or even in layman's terms, what is that? It's the reallocating of jobs based on demographics at the time. So it's not only jobs, you can apply that to higher education, can't you yeah, as well? Yeah, higher education, yeah, to get a good allocation of whatever field you're in or whatever stage of school you're in. Oh, actually, at po post high school. 
Post high school. Yes. Okay. So higher so education. Since 1968, yeah. would you say, based off now the numbers we're looking at, which we're saying, okay, at least in our system of presidency, there's no by the numbers race uh, bait things going on, right? There's no racy things. We're all in proportion. Yep. Uh, undoubtedly, as we've seen, affirmative action was put into play, which was uh, totally based off the merit in based on diversification of the schools in the workforce, which was actually against white people. Yes or no? Uh, say that again. Was affirmative action for white people or was it for was it not for white people? It was not for white people. It was not. Okay. So affirmative action to me is a program that can actually be looked at as a fact-based thing that says this thing undoubtedly does not look at the merit of the person and ignore color, but this is a program that is out in the open and it takes into account none of the merit, but all of the color and diversification. That's correct. Now you tell me about white privilege in today's (laughs) America, please. It's... It's either being beaten down or it doesn't exist. It's it doesn't exist. It's actually if you when you're looking at it and you're laying it out, it's actually the opposite. There's not white privilege in America. There's person of color privilege in America. There's not. There's not what? There's not white privilege. There's and again on the other side, it's kind of like and this is why I've had enough of this, right? Because I, I've seen the tactics and I've seen it played out in other things. What the left does, and they're doing the same things with this Russian collusion, is they actually do the thing, then then they throw it in your face and tell you you're doing it. They accuse you of doing the same thing that they've done, but they've done it a hundred times worse than you. So there's actually, think of that, there's actually not white privilege in America. Right now, there's black privilege in America. Say that again, but the sound keeps getting all jacked up. If we look if we look at the facts, there's not white privilege in America, there's black privilege in America. Right Ooh, now. Interesting interesting twist. It's not it's it's not a twist. I'm the weatherman. I'm not creating the weather. I'm just reading what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Right? We all know what affirmative action is. We all can point to and there are situations that people have written about. There's more recently there's some uh, you see some Asian guy uh, or some Indian guy on CNN was writing all about this the last two days. He knew because uh, his race of other Indians and because of affirmative action and they, he understands med school uh, like other colleges and programs, they go off this affirmative action. So he knows that when they're looking at Indians, he could not compete with his 3.5 grade point average against other Indian quotas that they were going to bring into the med school he wanted to go to. So what did he do? He shaved his head and he said he was black. And guess what? He got in. Really? Admittedly, admittedly, go Google it. It's out there and these stories are everywhere. So it's like when you hear about white privilege, show me something that's white privilege. Show me. Don't tell me and yell at me and call me crazy for actually giving facts back and making reasonable and logical arguments. Give me facts back. Show me the white privilege. Well, I think what the I think what the left will do is they'll tell you, well, you started on third base when others didn't. 
but the, but that's a, that's again that's another virtue signal and statement. What does that yeah, mean? Like, what does that it's mean? It's emotional. It's a play. To the <laughs> right. That doesn't mean anything. That's still a lot of garbledy gook that has it no substance to it. It, right? That's correct. That's correct. And, you so, know, and just by somebody saying that, like that's white privilege. You want to talk about white privilege? White privilege is 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 these white people feeling bad about themselves and then telling other people to feel bad about it. That's yeah. white privilege. Yeah, and that's the part that I, I refuse. Independent of psychologically and philosophically, where I stand on the issue, um, you can tell I'm not that passionate about the pro cause for white uh, white privilege, but. My thing is, I don't, I don't, I have enough guilt as a Catholic. I don't need you giving me guilt because I'm white. I'm not going to be ashamed of being white. Well, you don't you own know? slaves, do you? I mean, if you own no. slaves, like fuck, yeah, you should feel maybe some guilt, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I don't, and I have never did, and I don't want that to be, you know, I don't want that to happen. So therefore, why am I being guilty because of you know the town I grew up in, that my parents worked their asses off to get us to live there, and I'm doing the same thing for the town I live in in Pennsylvania, so my kids can have a good life. On one salary. Don't give me the claptrap about white privilege because I'm not feeling it. So, but but one thing, one thing, and this, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, um, the great conservative author, he said he went to some college and some social justice warrior stood up and a self-hating white cuck basically was saying, well, you know, white privilege exists and I feel bad and I'm going to give back. And, and Dinesh D'Souza asked him, he said, well, what did you do to give back because you have white privilege? And the kid stuttered and he stumbled, and all he could come up with was that he tutored minorities. And it was very, it was poignant. It was like, okay, well, what's your action plan about this whole white privilege thing? What are you going to do? Nothing. You're 100% right. It's a total social justice thing, it's a virtue signal, right? That's all it is. There's no substance behind any of it whatsoever. And again, right, I, I, I'm not crazy, right? Uh, if if yes, if you want to go back pre-civil rights in this country and you want to do that, we can start debating about white privilege. But fuck, man, I don't live then and I'm not trying to live then. I'm looking forward, right? I'm looking forward for myself, for my family, yeah. uh, what I'm doing in my life. Fuck looking back. I mean, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of those, uh, you know, motivational lifting, uplifting signs and posters and memes now you can find online that agree with me that we hang on our fucking walls. You learn in psychology class, you know what I mean? Yep. No, so I it's like, you know, and again, and like, unless I own that slave or like, you know, I, I, I like have direct money that I'm using today that you could look back and go, oh shit, Steve, you know, uh, you know that money as you're sitting there talking about not white privilege, you fucking hypocritical loser. Uh, you are actually sitting in your house that's paid for literally from old cotton slave money. Right. Right? But guess what? I don't, and I don't feel bad because I don't. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, you're not getting me. You might have some down south motherfuckers and some up north motherfuckers in New York and some of these other manufacturing places that, yeah, you can trace that line back to. So guess what? SJWs, do your goddamn research like other people. Go call those people out, and I'll be picketing on the lines with you. Right, but until then, uh, don't bring me into your world of guilt. Don't bring me in your SJW world. Yeah, it's and, all uh, bullshit, man. It's about it's, again, it's, think of think of lazy Mexicans when you hear white privilege. It's about the same fucking stupid thing as lazy Mexicans. It means nothing, right. and it's just a bunch of assholes just saying stupid shit. That's all it is. Yep, that's a good boil down because technically, if it's ill-gotten money, 
that you got from slave trading and shipping and being a racist and doing XYZ to other people because you think you're better because of your skin color, those are the people you target. That's a very small subset of the United States, probably. But there, yeah, but there, I'm sure there, there are absolutely there are businesses in America and there are families in America that you could absolutely make that tie back to today, right? And yep. and and, yep. and but just like every other thing that the left's and this is the irony, right? Because now we're talking again. These are actual common sense things, and these are facts, right? So the left will yep. tell you like Muslims, like transgender, don't judge you know, a whole group by like small sectors that do dumb shit. Yep. yep. But, but when it comes to the white people, let's fucking blanket them with white privilege. Every single yep. white person. That yep. is the yep. dumbest thing I've fucking ever heard in my life. Right, right, right. And again, and, and that's how that's how you know, Ross, that it's coming from that side too, right? So it's actually against their own message uh, on on every other point, right? So that's how I know that it's another one of their tactics that they're actually the ones perpetrating it and then saying you're doing it. It's one of their tactics. Yep, exactly, exactly. And, you know, as usual, there's no action plan. Much like with Black Lives Matter protests, there's no action plan. What are you going to do to make embetterment? Like, what are you going to do to make the world better, the country better, because you're protesting? And there's no action plan. What are you going to do, Johnny White Boy, that stands up and you got a popped collar and you're, you're going off and trying to virtue signal that you're this glorious dude who's really plugged into minority communities and the BLM movement? What are you going to do about this perceived white privilege? And they never have an idea. They never step aside and give their job to a minority. They never give their degree to a minority. They never give their spot at a prestigious college to a minority. They don't do anything. They may be tutor a minority. Like that that's weak sauce. You've done nothing. <laughs> You've done nothing at that point. <laughs> and, and, and to your point, Ross, it's you know, it makes me think of it's very similar to the you know, to the issue that they virtue signal about the open borders and the migrants, right? Because they'll yell at you and tell you how racist and uh, Islamophobic and all these things that you are, but you look at them and go Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you for sharing. How yep. many people do you currently have in your home? Not like you family me? members. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> asking those people who are SJWing the people oh, who yeah, are yeah, railing yeah, yeah. against illegal immigration. How many of those people have taken in immigrants? And the answer is zero. You saw what Charlie Sheen just did. He's a virtue singer about that kind of stuff. He came back from London because he doesn't like the people that are coming in there. Um, you hear about J.K. Rowling's getting a lot of shit because she says, welcome all these refugees in. She's got mansions. She doesn't take a damn person in. She's it's got a, mansions. A, she has gates around those mansions. She has armed guards protecting them. It's, it's actually quite comedic to watch those people is, talk about these things. Knowing the facts. Comedic. So that's why I just... I, Yep, that's why I just generally disregard these little movements and these little protests and these these Facebook uh, hashtag rallying cries because they they when they're put in a situation where they have to act on what they're asking others to do, they never do it. So, like I said earlier, the that guy had to quietly sit down uh, in front of Dinesh D'Souza because the guy basically said, "Okay, well, what are you doing about this white privilege you have? You think you have? I, I tutor a couple poor black kids in the neighborhood." Really? What, like 20 minutes a, a week? I mean, it's it's that's good. It's a noble gesture. But, like, you're not helping race relations. You're not helping 
pay gaps between minorities and white. You're not you're not helping the cause you think you're helping. You're not adding value to the process. You're just protesting and looking like a douchebag. So that's why this is an easily. Uh, it's something that I don't really have any passion for. I'm not going to. Well, now let me ask you. Let me ask you that. Well, let me ask you a question again. Now that we've talked about it for thirty minutes, give me. You said at the beginning of this conversation that you believed in white privilege. So now that we've talked about it, laid out some things. What's your definition of white privilege? Give it again. I'll give it again. Uh, My definition is uh, the perceived notion that certain groups, namely whites, are a step ahead, two steps ahead of other minority groups because of their lot in life, because of their family situation. And so do you believe that across the board? Do you believe in white privilege? Do you think it exists? It's it's gone down about 50% since you started telling me more about it. <laughs> what what your your perceived belief in it has gone? Yeah, you know down? what? No, maybe you know what? Let me do one better. Let me just say privilege exists, but not necessarily white privilege. Right. Well, listen, privilege exists everywhere. It exists everywhere. Right. I was using this analogy. Right. Again, let's bring it back to today's today. Right. Today, not fifty years ago, six years ago. Today. And these are the facts. Right. Against the about the programs that we understand that are out there. You have two lawyer couple, doctor, lawyer, father and mother, black couple, white couple, right? Kid goes to the same school. I don't care if it's private or public. Kid gets the same grades. Kid does the same thing. Both kids apply to the same schools. Who has a better chance of getting in? Say that again. It sounds been horrible tonight. Uh, Which the whole, the whole, the whole scenario. Yeah. Recap that's that five second scenario. Same parents, doctor, lawyer, black kids, black parents, white parents, okay? Yep. They're boys, same girls, same age. They both go through the same school. They play the same sports. They get the same grades. They apply to the same school, same SAT scores. Who has a better chance of getting into that school today? Ty goes to the minority group. Oh, I don't understand what that answer means. In other words, when there's a tie in every statistical category, the, t- the, the tiebreaker goes to the minority group. So the in, minority in, group So you're in every single case? Yes. Across the board? Yes. So what you just described, if you, if you looked at it, that is what's called black privilege, no? Correct. There's a form of that, correct. Uh, my, my, my case rests. The, yeah, this this happens every single cycle in America. Right, every yeah. cycle, and it happens every day in the workforce. Every day, it happens in the workforce. Every cycle in college campuses, every day in America. And tell me again about white privilege. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But maybe, maybe it's maybe their their view is knock down the whites a couple pegs because they've had it good, quote unquote. And this is the way to do that. You, you see what I mean? Um, I, listen, I can, I can rationale and justify, I, I can't just, I can rationale and try to talk about the other side and what they're thinking, but I don't play that, those games, right? I like, I, I don't want to, I have no time to get into the ludicrous ridiculousness of what people are either, you know, choosing to believe, uh, because they're, they're seeing it on TV or they're reading it and they're allowing to be race baited, uh, or they genuinely truly have these beliefs which are just completely ridiculous i i, I don't so, know what so actually the more this conversation plays out 
I see there's three types of people. There's those that believe in white privilege. There's those that adamantly don't believe in it. And there's those that just can't be bothered with it. They're not going to waste their brain power on it. They're not going to waste brain cells on it. They have better things to think about. It's not on my radar, that kind of thing. I think I'm that last quarter category. You're the number two category. And most of the left is the number one category. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, I think you could probably fill a couple more buckets up. Um, but yeah, I think... You, yeah, okay, you, maybe maybe there's a fourth bucket of social, you know, virtue signaling men that just want to get laid uh, in, in liberal spheres at college, so they'll pretend to be on board with the idea of white privilege. No, and then, well, then you, you know, and then you missed one, the obvious one, which you and I, I was joking about with you on the way in before we actually started recording, which is, you know, another theme that we've been talking about on this podcast, and this is in real life, uh, about how this, this whole atmosphere that, that's been created, it reminds me so much of Game of Thrones and, uh, you know, the other one that people watch, The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, you know, and specifically where, you know, uh, groups of, you know, orcs and goblins or, you know, uh, you know, elves and people, uh, you know, are putting putting aside old rivalries and they are joining together for a larger, you know, uh, purpose, uh, a greater evil that they're conquering, even though on the on a daily basis for uh, millennia, they would never been caught hanging out together. And I, I see that today, yeah. right? So with that, all that being said, there's a whole other, you know, far, far, if you want to call it right bucket, which is, you know, white supremacist neo-Nazis, which like me will look at you and say white privilege is fucking stupid. Uh, but then they'll go as far as saying like all the crazy shit that they go say, which, yeah. you know, they'll go as far as saying and black and all people of color should be murdered, right? Which is like... Uh, clearly, clearly, fucking not what I'm saying. Um, yeah. We're anywhere near that, right? Like, yep. But you know, it's 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 as I pointed out to you in a lot of instances, like in in like I'm you know people think I'm a Republican, right? Which is funny. Uh, but it's it's in it's but but it's because of that, right? People want to label and just think really shallow and label things to make it easier for them because they're shallow thinkers. So it's just easier to go. Oh, that person doesn't believe in abortion, so they're a fucking Republican. Right, right, right. I actually saw this big thing uh, today, uh, a, a video, and this, I'm telling you, we've been talking about this, the left is eating each other, right? They're cannibalizing each other because they themselves are in many buckets. And there's yep. actually, uh, you know, there are buckets of, of Democrats that don't believe in abortion. They are uh, pro-life, but they're Democrats. And they, you know, I saw them interviewed, a few of them, they get told all the time by the people on the left, as soon as they hear, oh, I don't believe in abortion. Well, you're definitely not a Democrat. You don't belong to us. Get out of here. Right? Because that's like a deeply rooted thing for the Democrats, I guess, to their detriment yep. as they're yep. pushing people away. Not smart, yep. right? Not smart. Let them do that. That's, they're a victim of their own buckets, really. And that's, that's what's right. going to happen. So, um no, good, good chat, good chat. Um, so, so that that's a, an interesting take on white privilege in a nutshell. So, um, so right, from so white, so from white privilege to sanctuary cities. Yeah, sanctuary cities. So, so much like we talked about, um, things are ramping up behind the scenes. I think what we said about Sessions and Trump 
they've either made up or they never were fighting. They're all on the same page now. And as you can see, predictably, Sessions is now going after leakers um, with a renewed push. He's going after um, the Sanctuary Cities. He was in a pissing match with Rahm Emanuel today, basically making fun of Chicago, which is a garbage... I've never been there, but it, you know, from a crime standpoint, a garbage city. Um, and basically telling him, look... <laughs> You're going to start ignoring the Sanctuary City law, and you want funding for your garbage city? Not a bright move, buddy. Um, so I think I think that push is starting to help move things, move the needle for the American voter that wanted this. Um, so Sessions has been woken up. He's now doing what he should have been doing from day one and just being very aggressive instead of just being laid back. And so to be clear, right, let's lay it out. So the, you know, states, which a lot of states and actually a majority of states are broke. Uh, and then as a, you know, get digging deep into it, it's a large part because a lot of their uh, most, you know, uh, populous cities, like in Illinois, for example, Chicago is just a complete succubus on the economy. Uh, terrible leadership, complete corruption. And so they've made it a point, and this was, you know, I wanted to bring up today on CNN, we saw Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, uh, they're filing, as well as a few other cities and states, lawsuits against the Department of Justice, uh, claiming all kinds of things uh, about why they can't withhold this money. And then he went on some epic rant on CNN uh, t- you know, talking about how the crime statistics and shootings are getting better in Chicago and how things are turning for the better. And I think about six people got shot in the midst of while he was saying that as people's jaws were dropping watching Rahm Emanuel <laughs> defend <laughs> Chirac on live TV in the middle of the yep. day, right, yep. with a straight face. Uh, and yeah, these people are suing for their money. It's it's gotten that desperate, and it's it's ridiculous at this point. Yep, exactly. And so, how much now gets caught up in the legal courts uh, when all they had to do was really just follow the law? There's nothing. I mean, I can't think of anything else where sanctuary cities city should not even be allowed to happen. I mean, at most, I thought maybe there's one or two of them. There's about a hundred in the country. It's That's just it's like it, well, here's here's the thing, right? And here's here's let's get back to we always do the ma- a major issue in America. What's wrong? With, this is like a prescriptive thing that is. This is what's wrong with our country. You may have big feelings like Rahm Emanuel that what the federal government is asking you to do is wrong, right? You may have big feelings on that. You may disagree wholeheartedly with that. But guess what? It is in the United States of America's laws that that is what you will do. And as long as it's a law, you will uphold as, a, as an elected citizen of said laws, you will uphold that. Yep. And if yep. you want to change that, you will be an adult just like we taught you know, our young kids to do for hundreds of years. You will be an adult and you will form a group if you need be and you will try to change the law by the way that we have and the mechanisms that we have. You will not get elected and then choose to not do it because you don't want to. Right. And that's the part that pisses me off. I mean, that's why when you see all the banter in, in Washington, no one's required to vote for any policy they don't want to vote for, right? So that's why you build coalitions and you try to get a law that's bipartisan, whatever, just so you can get what you want. This whole obstructing and you know uh, stonewalling and not selectively enforcing this law, not that law, and I'm not going to do what you want on this one, but I will follow you on that. I'm not going to pay my taxes here, but I will in this situation. That's not how you conduct yourself as an adult. 
And I would say both parties are a bunch of children, but really the Rahm Emanuels of the world are the ones that are not being adults. And I think he's going to, I mean, you saw Miami has already said, fine, we will revoke our, our sanctuary city status, uh, sanctuary city status. They're now saying we will pay, we will play by the rules now. Sorry about that. We're ready to play ball. And the more cities that try to tip in that direction, the better off we'll be. But what I think Rob, Rahm Emanuel is trying to do is undermine. He's talking to other mayors of other big cities and saying, hey, if we can group together, if we can team up, we don't have to do what this Sessions guy is telling us. We don't have to enforce the law here. Um, so I'm concerned that Rahm Emanuel is going to kind of light some brush fires um, and, and get others to convince, convince others to, to not do this. Um, but we'll see how that goes. It's just like it's 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 fascinating because to me it's just a losing battle. Like you know, if I'm just trying to be a Democrat for a minute, right, and I'm trying to say, okay, if this were my team, right, if I'm playing sports ball and these Democrats are my side, I, as as if I'm a PR firm, I'm going, what are you guys doing? This is just such bad optics, right? Like you know, and don't think that every every time one of these illegal aliens, because it's inevitable, right, in any one of these sanctuary cities. Every time they commit a crime, and the more heinouser it is, right? It's it's such a bad PR move for what you're saying or what you think you're justifying, right? Yeah, for every yeah. story that you're trying to put out in the Boston Globe and the Washington Post and the New York Times about the you know Pablo who's been here and his kids are dreamers and you're ripping him away from his family, you know you can pump out ten stories, but as soon as you know, uh, Hector on the other side comes through the intersection and kills a, a mother and her three kids in a car accident and then gets out and runs away because he has no insurance and is here illegally. It just yep. kills your narrative. It kills, it, it. So it kills get... all of those stories that you're putting out there. No one cares. All they remember is that one guy that shouldn't have been there and that family that should still be alive. That right, rage just right. lives inside of people, and that's not a that's not a left or right thing, right? That's what I, I'm as a, if I'm trying to go back to my Democrat thinking ways, I'm still thinking that I'm going, guys, this isn't the hill to die on, right? 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 Are... right laws that we have existing on the books. It also makes us look weak on on criminality too, which is not a good thing to be. It makes us look weak on what? On criminality, right? It makes us. It, it makes their side look weak on on law enforcement, right? Essentially. Right. So, but look, well, look what we've done with the war on drugs. We've admitted it's a failed war, and what we've done is we're now saying, okay, people build coalitions because they see how bad things are going with this whole drug war. Now we have an opioid epidemic, so now people are in a posi position where they're negotiating. They're saying, okay, we're going to give funding to the opioid abuse, uh, but we're going to start to decriminalize some of the marijuana stuff. And some of the states are flipping. And it's much like with gay marriage. You're going to see every state eventually flip in favor of uh, decriminalized marijuana. It'll eventually go recreational. And the problem will have worked itself out without martial law, without overturning the laws, without, you know, undermining police departments. It's, it'll work itself out through the legislative process. That's much right. like much like with the sanctuary city thing. If you have a better idea for how to do this, there's going to be some horse trading. There's going to be some giving and taking. If you are going to start to report people, uh, maybe there'll be a reward. Maybe the government will say, thank you for, for negotiating good faith. We will give you X, Y, Z. We'll give you tax relief on 
the shipping out of these people. We will give you tax relief in an area where you didn't think you'd get it. We will negotiate with you, but it's really critical that you start enforcing the law. If you do that, there will be other tax breaks we can give you. Incentivize it through horse trading, the legislative process, whatever. But they don't want to do that. They just want to say we're just going to selectively not enforce this law. And that's where you're an asshole. That's where 100 cities are being assholes. 100 mayors are being assholes. I mean, that's the stuff that pisses me off because that's not what America's all about. Play by the rules. The people that avoid taxes because they're trying to be cool and tough, they eventually go to jail. It doesn't work out for them. That's so, right. Wesley Snipes. Um, yeah, Wesley Snipes. So do, you know, play by the rules, but build whatever coalition you want to overturn that rule. That's democracy in action. Go for it. But this whole selective enforcing, it, it really, it's, it's not, it's a slippery slope and it's not good because the day that, you know, Trump leaves office and a Democrat takes over, it'll be 2024, 2028, um, you know, you don't want something to happen where Republicans start saying, well, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to pay that tax. We're not going to pay that fee. Um, you were still penalized if you didn't pay the Obamacare mandate. You know, you still, companies that said they didn't want to do, okay, they were still penalized for it. Right. Um, so for the, these cities, these sanctuary cities, play by the friggin' rules. It's not going to work out well for you. And, I, and as you can see, cities are starting to flip. So um, flip in, in favor of enforcing laws in sanctuary cities. Miami basically said, we are not going to be a sanctuary city anymore. Miami, that is like a linchpin city. Of all the cities that's probably harboring the most, that's one of them. Uh, and that was a big win today. So... Taking that all in, play by the rules, but overturn it through legislation and through through consensus building. But they don't get that part. They don't want to play by the rules. Right, and act, like, act like adults and use uh, you know fact based arguments and not completely ridiculous emotionally uh, charge uh, you know virtue signaling uh, SJW rants. Right. I mean, what happens, Steve, if you're if you're lit up for speeding but you don't think you're speeding? How far does your little argument go after the ticket's been written? You make a scene, you kind of wet yourself in front of the cop, you scream, you carry on, blah, blah, blah. Who still has to end up paying the fine at the end of the day? You do. You do. So Unless you go to court and challenge it and, and, and challenge win, it. But, but... That, that, you know, to me, that's, a, that's an old wives' tale. I tried that game. It doesn't work. It's, it's Sometimes something it doesn't like, work. It's something our parents tell us happened in the 1960s and 70s, but you try to do it in 2017. <laughs> and you get laughed out of the court, and you still have to pay the fucking fine. So. Um, but yeah, so so that's the sanctuary cities thing. Um, Sessions is having the banner week we thought he was going to have. Trump either lit a fuse, or this is continued, you know, stage act two of the whole charade between him and Sessions. Um, or Sessions really was scared that he was going to get fired, so he's turning on his A game. Doesn't matter. Either way, Sessions is performing. He's Trump still got to do more, though. There's still more he's got to do. He's still got to formally open investigations into these other clowns. And I give, think give, give CNN something else to talk about. He's just like, you know, uh, you know, after all this time and energy and Robert Mueller and all the people he's hired, you know, he's convening a grand jury. They found nothing about Russia. And now they're starting to pour into his personal, you know, you know, his personal life. And it's like... Right. Oh, right. you know, it's so frustrating. Imagine if it were you. It, it's very frustrating because here, I think... Imagine if it was any of us. So, for instance, Alex used the analogy of, okay, so say someone asked you what you had for breakfast uh, November 10th of 2015, <laughs> and you're under oath, and you're like, well, I think I had an everything bagel that day, and it turns out you had an everything bagel five of the six days before, but that day you ended up having just a handful of Lucky Charms and going out the door. They can get you on that. You have now perjured yourself, and 
Now your whole story falls apart because people are just going to call you a liar. So that's the frustrating stuff. That's how the legal system's going to work. I don't claim to be a lawyer, but they're going to try to get some slimer lawyer to get him or some of his team on something, and they'll inevitably do inevitably do that. So, so, but. so I guess we'll end with fire Mueller fast. I'm on the fence with that. I say fuck I, I think, it, Ross. Fire his ass. See you later. You're fired. Well, the, Amer- the American people, the American people, by the way, including you, we're footing the bill for all of those freaking uh, close to a hundred people he has on his staff. That's not cheap, brother. Not yep, cheap. That's true. That's true. But to my point that I talked about two episodes ago, I don't know if Mueller has been so compromised for being in the swamp for 16, 20 years that they now got him to flip and basically say, okay, stack the deck with as many Democrats as possible, make it look like a kangaroo court. Of course they have. And then, and then lower the boom on Hillary and friends. Of course they have. He's um, already, listen, he's already given the pass. They already have him like on record giving passes and being collusion. It's bullshit. It's a complete horseshoe. Yeah, so I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm, I'm holding off on Fire Muller just yet. Um, because I don't know if he could end up being like a Severus Snape guy, where at the end you think he's bad, and then he turns into a good guy and saves the day. I don't know how that's going to go down. Um, well, I'm there. I'm on record as already being there. You're thinking he's a good guy or a bad guy? No, no, I'm on record as saying fire his ass tomorrow. Okay. All right, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be an interesting couple of days. So um, why don't we stop there? 56-minute mark. I'll edit I'll get it out tomorrow because the family just came back, so i got to do some shit. But um, we'll get this out and a good chat on white privilege. Yeah, I'd love to hear uh, people's thoughts about it. This could be a great topic to uh, have a debate about. Maybe we'll go to the maybe we'll go to the Twitter and put it out there and encourage people to comment. I will. I will do that. Now, also, the other thing is, we have talked about a lot of folks um, on the left listen to our show. And oh, Ross, hold on. Are we still recording? Yeah. yeah. Oh well, let's. Yeah, we it. are. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. Take care. Wait. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm right here. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, we are still recording. Um, but we're, you know, as the show takes off, we're going to start to have some more lefty friends of ours come on. So that should be interesting as well. We want to light the fuse with the white privilege thing, but um, could make for some exciting episodes in the future. So that's right. Stay tuned. We'll come back Wednesday, Thursday with a new hot episode and then some other breaking news that comes in. Uh, do you think? Last thing. Do you think McMaster goes in the next couple of days? He's been embattled over the last couple of days. Yes, we called that, 100%. We called that. We were on the record calling that, and I 100% stick with it. He's gone. He's a deep state plant. He's horrible. He's been firing uh, Trump loyalists and purging them out of his White House. Uh, He needs to go. Yep. So let's see it this way. We said Spicer would go. We said that Priebus would go. We said around the summer timeline. It's all happened. Uh, I think McMaster... People are, people are actually turning to me because I make these predictions outside of our podcast to people because I talk about this with, and they were like, wow, you were right about a lot of stuff. Exactly, so exactly. Like, Where do you get your information from? Like, hey, from our own podcast. Here it is. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. You want people to walk away and be like, holy crap, I didn't hear that on Fox, I didn't hear that on MSNBC, CNN, PBS, NPR, whatever. Because that's the way we want it. We don't want anyone to just go to Fox News to get something or go to MSNBC. Where. That's old media. That's legacy media. That's old hat. I don't give a shit about Fox News. If it's on in our house, it's because it's in the background. And it's either Tucker Carlson or Hannity. There's not much else we're watching on Fox News. Maybe Judge Jeanine on a, on a slow Saturday night. Um, but nothing else. It's not. We're not like a Fox News family anymore. So 
this is a former Republican talking. So, um, all right, we're one hour in. We will convene a couple days from now. Great episode. I'll put this out tomorrow morning for the commute. Okay, fantastic. All right, see ya. See ya. Bye-bye.